Welcome to the God is Able radio broadcast, the ministry of Old Savannah Baptist Church. I'm Pastor Austin Frady, and we would like to thank you for being so faithful to tune in to the radio broadcast. Now go with us as we open in prayer and in song and with a message from God's Word out of the book of Nehemiah from a series preached at the church on building a great work for the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we come to you this morning, and we thank you, Lord, for your many, many blessings. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. Thank you for the cross of Calvary, for the blood that was shed there. Thank you, Lord, for every person that's listening today. God, I pray that you'd touch their heart. God, meet their need. Lord, I pray that you'd be magnified and glorified in this hour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I got up this morning and I started my day. God's mercy was with me all of the way. His goodness stayed close by to meet all my needs. church where I worship the Bible I read. My Lord is taking good care of me. I'm never forsaken. I'm never alone. One day I'm moving to my brand new home. I'm blessed beyond measure. Just look close, you'll see. My Lord is taking good care of me. Satan comes tempting and he brings up my past. I tell him I've forgiven and it's buried at last. The bloodshed on Calvary now speaks for me. says, And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid, and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why shouldeth not my countenance be sad, when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. Then the king said unto me, For what doest thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant be found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, and unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, The queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be, and when shalt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let the letters be given me to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over till I come unto Judah. And the letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace, 
the place which appertaineth to the house and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains and army and horsemen with me. And when Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the servant, the Amorite heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. I find in chapter number one, Nehemiah is bothered in his comfort. I find he's broken from his complacency and a burden is birthed in his heart because reality set in in his life. And then we come to chapter number two. Now, many of us, I believe, have been in chapter number one. We're living our lives and we've been in chapter number one. I believe God's birthed the burden in our hearts. Would you agree with that? Amen. I believe that God's birthed a burden in your heart for people to get saved, for there to be a place of worship where God's people can come together and they can enjoy each other and they can enjoy the presence of God and they can worship openly and praise the Lord and get down at His feet like we preached last Sunday morning and just enjoy the Master and enjoy the goodness of the Lord. I believe there's been a burden birthed in your heart as a church to see revival and to see God do things through our community, see God do things in our country. I believe that a burden has been birthed in our heart and I find that as I read through the book of Nehemiah many times this chapter number two part that's where we hit a stump. We kind of get hung up. Amen. I find Nehemiah in chapter number two, I seen the effect of his burden in chapter number one that his heart was convicted. It challenged his will in a personal nature. I see that it changed the man in a way that he had never been changed before. Understand with me, when you get serious with God and a burden is planted in your heart, it'll change you like you've never been before. I see it brought into a place of humility, repentance, and prayer. It brought into a place of supplication that brought him to a place of surrender. I see that it brought him to a place of worship like he had probably not been in years, maybe never been in his life, but he began to worship God. If you read in chapter number one through the prayer of Nehemiah, you find many times he's exalting the Lord. Honey, that's worship when you exalt the Lord. He says in these verses, he begins to talk about the power of God and how God is a great God. He's exalting him. He's worshiping him. And understand with me that this this place of supplication brought him to the place of surrender and it birthed in his heart a couple of things that he could not have went on without. Understand with me, there is no labor without love and there'll be no direction without a desire for direction. Nehemiah was going to be in desperate need of direction to do what he needed to do, but until he had a desire birthed in his heart for the direction from God, understand with me, he would have never received it. I find that it was a consistent burden that that Nehemiah had. It wasn't here today, gone tomorrow. We talked about all that Sunday night and it birthed in him devotion, discipline, and it birthed in him desire. And it was a convincing burden. As I said at the end of the message on Sunday night, we find that in chapter number one, we start out in the month Chislu. In chapter number two and verse number one, we are in the month, month Nisan. This is about a four month period in between. Understand with me, Nehemiah is still burdened. He's still heartbroken over 
over his people. It wasn't a Sunday morning. He's crying in the altar and all of a sudden it's gone by Sunday evening. It's not just one week and then the next week he's forgot about it. But friend, it's something that God had planted in his heart. It got a hold of his heart and it couldn't, he couldn't let go of it because it had a hold of him. I want to ask you this morning, do you have a burden in your heart for your family? Do you have a burden in your heart for your church and a burden for your children that my friend, not just that you've got a hold of, but a burden that's got a hold of you. Because friend, if it's up to you, you're going to lose your grip after a while. But when the burden gets a hold of you, no matter what you do, friend, it's still there. Amen. It's still burning in your bones. I believe that's something similar to what Jeremiah was talking about how when he said he wanted to quit, he wanted to stop, but there was a fire burning deep in his bones that he could not quit. Honey, they was something that had a hold of him. It wasn't what he had a hold of. It was what had a hold of him. Listen, when I got saved by the grace of God about 10 years ago, something got a hold of me. Amen. Yes, I got a hold of something too, but friend, there's been a few times that my grip has become strained and weakened, but I'm glad that not only did I have a hold of something, but something had a hold of me. And in verse number two, I find that uh, his countenance is changed before the king. This burden is so convincing. It's worked in his heart to a place that he cannot hide what God has put in his heart. Amen. He can't hide the burden that he has. It's birthed in him and got a hold of him and it's coming out on the outside. And then I find through this chapter where I want to be at, I find a couple of different things. I doubt I'll be able to preach it all this morning, but I find number one, I find the supporting hand of God in his life. I find in the supporting hand of God that because God's the one that's birthed this burden in the heart of Nehemiah, God is going to provide for this man and God is going to protect this man. Amen. I find that God does not call the equip, but God equips the call. When the, Lord, when the Lord saved you, listen, friend, I believe this with all of my heart. I don't really have a whole lot of Bible to back this up as far as a plain, clear verse. I've got some passages that we could use, but I really believe that if the Lord was going to save you and not use you, I believe the Lord would just go ahead and reach down and rapture you up and take you on to glory. Amen. But the reason that the Lord saves you and then He keeps you here on this earth, He don't take you on to glory the moment you get saved is because He's got to work for you to do. The amazing thing about the gospel is that the Lord engages men to spread the gospel. There's a place in the book of Revelation we read about the angels flying through heaven and preaching the gospel of the kingdom or the everlasting gospel, excuse me. But in the age of grace, friend, we see that God engages men like Peter and men like John and men like Philip through the book of Acts that they preach the gospel and they give the gospel to the world and still to this day that's exactly what God is doing. He's engaging men and women just like you and just like me to preach the gospel. So when the Lord saved you, you may say, there's no way I could ever tell anybody about Jesus. You remember that what God done for Nehemiah, God can do for you. And God don't call people that are equipped. God equips the people that are called. And when you give God your heart, God does a transformation in your life that you would never even believe. You'd never even be able to imagine that God could do the work that he's going to do in your life. I find in verse number five, I find that as Nehemiah comes to a place, uh, he, verse number four, and let's back up verse number four, Nehemiah's, his countenance in verse number two is changed before the king. He cannot hide what's in his heart. Listen, friend, God really put something in your heart and you can hide it. There's something not right. 
Amen. You shouldn't be able to hide it. It should tell on you every now and then. Somebody ought to hear you praying about it. Somebody ought to see you weeping over it every now and then. Somebody ought to, ought to see the concern and the burden in your soul over it. Amen. I understand. Well, there's a lot of people, they'll never get in until they really see the concern on your face. Amen. You know how many times we're a, we're a people that we laugh and joke and we cut up around here and I enjoy doing that, don't you? But you know how we can tell when somebody's serious and when they're joking? Many times it's not by the words that they said, but it's by their countenance. Amen? It's, what, it's the, 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 the way that it was expanded, not just in the words, but in the way that it was delivered through their countenance. And so Nehemiah's countenance is telling on what's in his heart. Can I ask you something this morning? Is what's in your heart, is it telling on you? Amen? Amen. Think about that. There's some things that we're real good at hiding, but there's some things you can't hide. And there's some things we shouldn't want to hide, friend. Amen. Listen, if we're right with God and we're doing God's will, we shouldn't have anything to hide. Amen. Now, if I'm out here doing things I shouldn't be doing, understand, we try to hide them things. But when I'm doing the will of God, we shouldn't want to hide that. I get down there to verse number four here in this chapter, and I find that Nehemiah, he comes to a place that as the king asks him, he notice what he, what he does. He goes back to the Lord in prayer. Chapter number one, he's already spent certain days mourning and praying. He's had communion with God. He's surrendered to God. And then I find that as the king asks him what he wants of his request in verse Number four, he goes back and prays to the God of heaven. This is a theme through the book. Prayer is the key. I find that for, for Nehemiah to do this great work, he understands that he needs the help of an almighty God. And whenever he comes faced with a situation, he humbles himself before God and he asks God's advice on the situation. That's good advice right there, young people. When you're faced with any kind of situation, it's a good place to just go to the Lord in prayer and seek God's thoughts on Him. Amen. So understand with me, when, when that starts happening, it's still a good thing. When you're faced with decisions in your life, it's a good thing to go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Amen. That was Nehemiah desiring the direction of God. He proved his desire for the direction of God just simply by the fact that he prayed and he talked to God. Amen. Listen, I'm, I'm the world's worst. Just dive right in and do something. I think we all are. We're real bad about that. We just want to dive right in and do things. That's the way we've lived our lives. That's the way we lived before we got saved. And we think we can live like that after we get saved. But understand with me in the spiritual side, the things of God are far beyond my comprehension and far beyond your comprehension. I understand there's some educated people and there's some people with great intellect sitting in this building. I'm not trying to degrade you at all this morning. I'm just trying to help you to understand understand that the things of God are so far great that there is no intellect that can comprehend them or put a logic to them. Understand with me, the only way that we can get the direction and the mind of God is to talk to Him. To pray and to seek His faith. And that's exactly what Nehemiah did. And when, when Nehemiah prayed, God sent him. There was a sending in his life because there was a seeking on the behalf of Nehemiah. Amen. Listen, God don't send people that ain't going to seek Him. Because if God were to send people that did not seek Him, then people that, w- that was sent without the seeking, they'd make a mess. 
You remember what Jesus told the disciples when they were in the upper room for those 50 days there uh, before, or for those uh, days there that they were in the upper room before the Holy Spirit came down and descended upon them? You know what Jesus told them? He said, stay there. Don't go out of that upper room until the Holy Spirit has descended on you. Why? Because if they had went out and tried to preach Amen. Jesus without the Holy Spirit, they'd have made a mess. Amen. Amen. They needed the Holy Spirit before they could ever preach Jesus and be effective. So it, before there's ever ascending on behalf of God, there has to be a seeking on behalf of the person. Amen. And we find that in Nehemiah praying. And then we see God sending him. That's in your Bible there. The king, uh, he, he made request of it. And I find that in verse number five, Nehemiah asked the king that thou wouldest send me unto Judah. Now, where did Nehemiah get that from? Why did he ask the king to send me? God put that in his heart when he prayed. Amen. And so because he sought, he knew what to ask for. Amen. And God sent him. I see God sending a man and by, by Nehemiah uh, going into a place in verse number four of communion with God, God revealed to him and he come to a place that because he was seeking God in a surrendered manner that God was sending him to do a work. I believe that we got to have a great foundation because a great work doesn't come easy. Amen. There has to be some things that you put forth effort and your discipline to do to be spiritual and walk with God. Amen. And so this is laying a foundation. So it's important. Understand with me, a seeking man, ascending God, he sent a man that was surrendered. And understand with me, when God sent Nehemiah, God's the one sending. That was the foundation that Nehemiah had to lean on through his entire journey and through everything that he faced and everything that come before him because it was God. God's work. It wasn't Nehemiah's work. It was God's work. Remember the title? A great work for the Lord. Amen. It was God's work. And because it was God's work, God was the one that was going to supply to the man that he had sent. Amen. Amen. Listen, friend. That brings, that brings comfort to my heart. That helps me sleep at night. Amen. So when we get the part that we seek and God sends, then we come to the place that we rest in the supplying hand of God. Amen. I'm glad, listen, we're doing this for the Lord. We're not doing it for ourselves because if it was up to me, we'd mess up a long time ago. If it was up to this church, we'd mess up, fall flat on our face. Oh, but I'm glad that it's up to God, aren't you? The Bible gives us many promises that God will not leave his children without. I find that David, he was that man that knew what it was like to be out in the wilderness. He knew what it was like to live in a cave. He knew what it was like to live in the palaces. But he said in Psalms 37, I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor begging for bread. Amen. All through the New Testament, Jesus told his disciples about the providing hand of God. For time's sake, I'm not going to go through all of it. But I want to give you this. Luke 22 and 30, 35. The Bible says, Jesus said unto them, When I sent you without purse and script and shoes, lacked ye anything. This is what got me. And they said nothing. Jesus sent his disciples out with no money, with no food. With nowhere to stay. And he said, have you lacked anything? And I underline that in my Bible. I may go back and just circle it about five times. Because that's helping me. They said nothing. 
You know why? Because Jesus, Brother Ira, is the one that sent them. They were commissioned not just by a king like Artaxerxes. He was a, a, the most powerful king of the known world of that day. But Nehemiah, he was commissioned by that king. But Jesus' disciples in the gospel, ladies and gentlemen, they were commissioned by the king of kings. They were commissioned by the Lord of lords. They were commissioned by the one that created the universe, upheld it by the word of his power. They were commissioned by the one that holds it all in his hands. The one that reaches back into eternity past. The one that is in the present and the one that reaches into the future to come. Ladies and gentlemen, they were commissioned by the eternal God through Jesus Christ. And when they went out with nothing, they came back and he said, have you lacked anything? And they said, nothing. Amen. Amen. Listen, in this chapter, because God blessed him in such a way, and that's the title, we see chapter number one, the burden of Nehemiah. Chapter number two, we see the blessing of Nehemiah was that God provided for him what he needed. And this provision, it gave Nehemiah a stability in his life. It gave him the assurance of God's calling. It gave him boldness and courage to trust the promises of God. Are you with me? If you've ever seen God step in and do something for you, it gives you a little bit of boldness and courage to trust Him the next time. Amen. Nehemiah, in the days to come, was going to need a lot of boldness. And he was going to need a lot of courage. And so God laid out a foundation early on in his life and in his ministry to let him trust him. Amen. And to teach him to trust him. And then I see that God, God give him these things. I see in this chapter that just as, just as God took care of people all through the Bible, God's taking care of Nehemiah. He gave him the timbers for the means. He gave him the means. He gave him provision. And he gave him, the Bible says, the king now sent captains of the army. He gave him protection too. Amen. Listen, there's a lot of places in doing the work of God. And I'm talking about in Western North Carolina. It's going to get dangerous. Now, they, they, they may be some people in here, you're faced with a situation of physical danger. But more so than that, there might be a danger. If you really step out on a limb and you go all the way for God, you might lose a friend. You might lose your job. You might lose this, you might lose... Those things, they're, they're considered danger in our lives. And when them red flags of danger are thrown up, we tend to go away from them. Are you with me? Amen. But God sent in Nehemiah's life protection against the danger. He sent the army with him. Thank God. Amen. He sent the army with him. Now listen, I read about a man over there by the name of Elisha. He came to a place there and the Bible says they just camped out him and his servant and then the enemy had found out where he was at. The enemy sent an army after him and the servant, he got out early in the morning. He looked up. He seen all around where they was at. He seen that the, the enemy had circled about them and he went back in and he told the man of God, Elisha, he said, the enemy's all around us. What are we going to do? What's going to happen? How are we going to get out of this now? And, and I don't even read in my Bible where Elisha ever stepped out of the tent. I don't know that he he ever even looked outside to see what was there or not but he said he prayed a prayer and he said Lord open the eyes of my servant that he may see and the Lord opened the eyes not of Elijah Elijah believed by faith I believe and the servant's eyes were open and he looked up on the hillside and he seen a great host of mighty angels and he proclaimed they that be with us are more than they that be with them 
God protected his people when they came to the Red Sea there and they was getting ready to cross over and the Egyptian army was right on their tail. God protected them then. God protected Elijah under the rule of Ahab and under the rule of Jezebel. God protected Elisha and that servant that day that I spoke about. God protected the Israelites under Hezekiah's rule when Sennacherib sent his army in to encircle Jerusalem. God protected uh, my friend in Samuel's day against the Philistines. God protected in the New Testament against things. Listen, if God done it for them, I want you to know that following the harmony of the Bible, God will do it for you. Amen. Amen. God will protect you. There's some things you're going to have to step out on a limb, and that's called faith. Amen. Amen. Might seem like a dangerous situation, but understand with me, you've got a God that's behind you. If you've been sent, you're doing the will of God. You've got a God that's behind you. So what do we have to be afraid of when God's the one behind us? Amen. God done all that for Nehemiah. God will do it for you. I believe with all of my heart that God's won't do a great work in your life. Amen. I believe God's won't do a great work here. We're laying a foundation. Amen. And there comes a time we begin to build on that foundation. Do you realize? Understand with me, friend. A great work that lasts... It's not something that just comes out of a week-long revival meeting. Amen. I really believe that. I believe revival meeting is good. I believe it's important. I, believe, I, pray, I pray we can have many of them. And I believe they are a part of that. But understand, that's not all there is to it. It's built week after week after week. God's people praying for the Sunday service. God's people still burden month after month after month for the people that will be sitting in the building. God's people seeking God and getting clean before God, getting right with God and staying right with God and going on for the glory of God. Week after week after week. Relying on the providing hand of God. Let me get this and I'm done. We'll close. Colton, you go ahead and come to the piano. You'll find that Sanballat and Tobiah, they're first mentioned in chapter number 2. There's a great work that was going to be done. We know that. But boy, the opposition reared its ugly head early. Amen. Listen, Nehemiah, he just, he just got timbers and he's, he's got this army and horsemen. Words already got to the enemy. Something's fixing to happen. You ever notice when God's getting ready to do something, there'll be a, an old rear of that old ugly Satan. He'll rear his ugly head. He'll begin to try. That's a good indication that God's won't do something, friend. I get discouraged by it. I see you get discouraged by it. When boy, things get to, get to moving along and then the enemy begins to rear up, gets discouraging. But understand with me this morning, that's part of it. The world, the flesh, and the devil don't want you to go on with God. Nehemiah had a sand battle to tow by and against him. The world, the flesh, and the devil don't want you to get close to God. The world, the flesh, and the devil don't want this church to be a lighthouse to the community. That's why we've got to lay the foundation where we are a seeking people, where we are a sent people. And we're a people that are stable, relying on the supplying hand of God. Are you with me? Nehemiah didn't listen to old Sam Ballant and Tobiah. He ignored them. Bible says that it grieved them exceedingly that there was a man that was come to seek the welfare 
of the children of Israel. Boy, it bothered them. It is my prayer, Brother Kevin, that our church bothers the devil. Amen. It is my prayer that my ministry bothers the devil. I realize what I'm saying. I've been there, friend. I've Listen, there's more attacks sometimes come against me y'all don't even know about. I'm talking about oppression. These attacks come in your life that nobody else knows anything about. The demons of hell trying to get you to stay at the house on Sunday morning. They're trying to get you to go out with your friends on Sunday evening. They're trying to keep you at home on Wednesday evening. Listen, friend, there is demons yes. that try to oppress the people of God. You know why? Because they're grieved. There's somebody trying to do something for God. Amen. But I, it is my prayer that I go to my grave aggravating the devil. Mm. It is my prayer when it comes time for me to leave or the rapture takes place, it is my prayer that our church is a devil-disturbing church. I hope we can keep him on his toes, friend. For us to do that, we've got to be strong. We've got to be faithful. We've got to rely on the Lord. But I want to say this, if we ain't bothering the devil, we probably ain't doing much for God. Amen. If your life don't have some oppression in it, friend, you probably ain't trying to live for God. Or oh, when you sell out and surrender like Nehemiah did, there's going to be some sand ballast and there's going to be some tobias and there's going to be some geeshams that rise up and try to discourage you from the Word. But you know what Nehemiah done? He rode on to Jerusalem. He went on, friend. Little bump in the road right there. There was a rock in the field. But he plowed on because he'd been sent to do a job. Let me preach right here and I'm done. Daddy, you got a job to do in your family. Husband, you got a job to do in your family. Mama, you've got one of the most critical ministries in this church inside of your own home. Amen. Amen. Raising them babies, friend, that ain't no joke. That's a ministry. Amen. Grandma, you got a ministry. Praying for your children. They, some of y'all, your name may not ever be told from the pulpit. You may not ever get your name written down in the bulletin, but you pray on Saturday night for the service on Sunday. I want you to know, friend, that disturbs the devil and that's needed for the work of God. You got a purpose. Singers, you got a purpose. Sunday school teachers, you got a purpose. There's going to be some sand ballots and tobias along the way, but there's a Jerusalem that needs you. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to hear this message in its entirety or join us in one of our services, find us on Facebook or visit us at our website at oldsavannah.org. We would like to give you a personal invitation to come and be in one of our services on Sunday morning at 10 and 11 a.m. We're located at 138 Sutton Branch Road in Silva, North Carolina.